Now, when I look at some of the key things that is also affecting um, women or gender inequality within um, Ghana as, as a country, there are a couple of things. One, there is this negative influence from patriarchal norms. So in terms of socialization, girls are taught to look up to men and boys as stronger, wiser, and more responsible, whilst boys are socialized to lead and control women. Despite having been projected to be the fastest growing economy in the world, Ghana has been fighting one of its worst economic crises. And with women playing a large role in its informal economy, some experts argue that improving gender inequality can lead the way for economic and social recovery for the country. In this episode, we discuss Ghana's economy and the role of women with Dr. Helen Sashi Nasser. Helen Sashi Nasser is a professor in the Department of Economics at Johns Hopkins University, teaching gender economics and economic development in Sub-Saharan Africa. Prior to joining Johns Hopkins, she taught at University of Ghana for five years and another five years at University of Delaware. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Hopkins podcast on foreign affairs. Helen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I guess to get started, um, could you provide us with a brief snapshot of Ghana's economy and some key economic challenges that are faced by Ghana? Well, uh, um, if we look at the Ghanaian economy, uh, Ghana is currently a lower middle uh, income country. Um, I think before uh, the pandemic uh, and even though there have been some challenges with the uh, economy in recent times, I think we are still not too far from that. Um, it is um, an oil-producing country, economy, and it, uh, its main exports include cocoa, uh, gold, and oil. Um, majority of the people are um, employed in the agricultural sector, even though uh, we are now moving towards other service industries. Um, currently, uh, labor force largely employed in the informal sector. I know we're going to talk about this um, later more, uh, t- talk more about this later. It is, the country is located in West Africa. Um, and I think uh, currently they are having challenges with uh, external debt. Uh, which started even before the um, pandemic, but has been exacerbated by the um, effect of the pandemic. So that's a snapshot. Um, If you have more questions about about the economy, I could also answer. Right. And uh, now that we have a brief sort of snapshot of of Ghana's economy, I kind of want to talk about gender disparities. So gender equality in the form of lower wages for women, less opportunities for women, women being overrepresented in lower paying sectors. All of this has adverse effects on economies everywhere, not just Ghana. But so why is this so? In other words, could you explain the economic argument behind including women in the workforce? Yeah. um, If we look at any economy, or even if you look at just the population of any economy, uh, much particularly, let's say, the population of Ghana, uh, more than half of the population is made up of women. And if for any economy, the labor force or the workforce is one of the assets of the economy. For any long-term growth, we expect uh, 
um, the effect will be from labor input and also uh, labor productivity. And so if half of the population or a little over half of the population is made up of women and they are not being engaged efficiently in the economy, then you, you should expect that that is going to have adverse effect on the GDP of that country. And so for Ghana's economy as uh, an example, having m m much of the women or most women uh, not receiving what uh, they are due, it means that um, definitely would affect how much output we also get from them uh, as well. As much as it affects the well-being of the household, if they are not being paid what they are due, then that affects their um, well-being and therefore affects poverty levels. And so excluding women on one hand and also not giving them what is due them uh, has definitely uh, adverse effect uh, on the well-being of the household. I guess kind of moving on to Ghana itself, um, what role do women play in Ghana's economy? Um, what are the specific sectors they work in and how do gender inequalities affect uh, Ghana's economy? What role do women play in the Ghana's economy? Um, unlike the Western world or the Western economies where uh, women's labor force participation, uh, it's not as much as that of men, in Ghana and in a lot of uh, developing countries in sub-Saharan Africa, women's labor force participation is extremely high. Uh, currently, in Ghana, uh, especially in the informal sector where majority of the population is employed, women overwhelmingly uh, represent uh, there. They are represented there. They are, we have more women uh, participating in, in that side of the economy than men. And so... In terms of what uh, what role it plays in the Ghanaian economy, uh, we cannot just uh, underestimate it because, in the set, or overestimate it because um, they are overwhelmingly represented. Uh, we have more women participating in the labor force, especially in the majority uh, the, in the major part of the economy, and so um, their role to economic growth of the Ghanaian economy cannot be overestimated or cannot be overemphasized. And, and I think uh, they have a huge role to play for if, if we are, as a, an economy, we are looking at Ghana growing or developing uh, beyond the, 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 the level they are now, then we cannot just overlook the impact of women or um, the role or contribution of women to that um, achievement or to, to that uh, goal. So if, if the aim is to really grow as an economy, then our policies, strategies should also uh, include, should include as much as possible uh, the role of women. Yeah, and I guess um, I just wanted to know what obstacles are making it really difficult for women to advance in the, in the more formal economy? There are many obstacles, um, and I will list some of them. I will talk about some of them. Maybe I may not um, exhaust all of them. Uh, number one is access to uh, finance, access to um, landed property, and so on. So now I mentioned that 
uh, women are very much uh, involved in the Ghanaian economy, uh, especially in the informal sector. They are they are overrepresented overrepresented over there, and they employ more people than uh, men do in that sector. Now, one thing unique about that sector is that they their businesses are usually small scale and micro uh, enterprises. And one thing about uh, that is that they are not able to grow um, beyond a certain level. And so one challenge they have is that they do not have access to credit. They do not have access to credit to be able to expand their businesses. Um, one of the reasons is lack of collateral. One thing uh, about the Ghanaian society is that uh, it is such patriarchal, especially in the rural sectors, such that uh, women are not given access to land. Meanwhile, in the Ghanaian economy, uh, landed property is one of the main collaterals that are used to access finance. And so because of that, it, depri it, it, yeah, it deprives them of um, access to finance, and therefore they are not able to finance their uh, businesses. And so their businesses continuously remain um, uh, small at, at a small scale. And so we are not able to expand. Another problem that they have uh, that uh, it serves as a um, as a constraint, or if you like, a, a barrier to them doing well within the Ghanaian economy is the fact that, uh, based on the cultural norms, they are, are the ones uh, mostly engaged in unpaid uh, household work, and so. Women in Ghana are continuously faced uh, with time poverty. Uh, the time they spend on household activities um, uh, deprives them of time to spend in the uh, labor market. And so they are continuously uh, deprived of uh, enough time to be able to uh, contribute more to output. Many other, uh, there are other uh, factors also um, serving as a barrier to them doing well in terms of including the socialization, um, socialization that uh, they receive within the uh, Ghanaian uh, society. And uh, part of that socialization is that uh, women, girl children are raised to be um, homemakers. And so they until recently, they were not that much included in education. Until some time, a couple of decades ago, when the Ghana government um, started an uh, uh, educational campaign for the girl child. And that was what uh, began to change the perception about educating the girl child. But then even as of now, we still have uh, that gender gap in education, even though it is in now improving. So one of the reasons why they are majorly uh, overwhelmingly uh, in, uh, involved in the informal sector is that uh, they, unlike the men, they do not have uh, uh, enough education to be able to be involved in the formal sector. So these are the three uh, factors that is hindering their progress uh, in, in terms of uh, contributing to um, the, the economy of Ghana. However, there are other, others as well. Right. And, and we'll talk later about um, these strategies to sort of 
uh, bridge these gaps and and um, address these barriers. But just to backtrack a little bit, and for our listeners who might not be familiar with the informal economy, as you've mentioned, what do we mean by the informal economy? And can you describe Ghana's informal economy? All right. So informal economy um, includes activities that contribute to the officially calculated GDP, but are not currently registered. So all the business, small-scale, micro-level businesses that these women, are, uh, people are engaged in, including petty trading, uh, sewing businesses, but these businesses are so small and they are not registered. They are, they, they do, they, um, the people involved do not take the businesses through a formal registration process. That's what we mean by the informal sector. And if you take the Ghanaian economy, for example, uh, 36% of the economy is made up of the informal sector. In other words, uh, 36% of Ghana's GDP is in the informal sector. And 89% of the labor force employed are in the informal sector. And that is the um, snapshot of the informal economy uh, in Ghana. So it seems like the Ghana economy is is mostly informal. So should Ghana work to include women in the formal economy then? Absolutely. Because, um, you know, the women in the informal sector, women employers in the informal sector outnumber the men employers. And, and so if the aim is to, and currently we have, uh, the Ghanaian economy has a very high uh, youth unemployment rate. And now if bus- businesses in the informal sector are usually small scale, and particularly for the, those businesses uh, owned or run by women, uh, small scale and micro enterprises, and they are the ones uh, employing um, a lot more of the population, then it means that there is a need to uh, adopt policies to um, regularize these businesses and, and make them formal in order to improve upon or to, to, for them to be able to expand their activities and therefore employ um, the uh the, 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 labor, uh, the labor force effectively. Because at the end of the day, since these businesses are small, they also, are, um, of course, the incomes to these workers are low. And so if the aim is to improve on incomes of the people, then it means that there's a need to adopt policies for these businesses to expand and improve on incomes of uh, workers and therefore uh, improve standards of living. So the the question of whether Ghana should uh, uh, help with formalizing these businesses is is, is kind of um, trivial. It's, there's the need for them to adopt policies to do so if the aim is to uh, improve on standards of living of the people. Are there any benefits to staying in the informal economy as a woman? Are there benefits to stay in the informal economy as a woman? Well, benefits, well, let me look at, first of all, the benefits of uh, um, formalizing activity, uh, economic activities, and then we can look at uh, whether there are benefits to women. So one of the benefits of uh, formalizing economic activities 
is the effect is going to have on government revenue. Now, it means that when, so these businesses that are informal, they are not registered. It, it also means that governments do not have effective way of collecting tax revenue from them. And so formalizing these businesses means that it's going to improve on government revenue and therefore making it available, uh, uh, funds available for governments to invest in um, many things, including infrastructure and also uh, social services. Now, are there benefits to women staying in the informal sector? Well, I would say a couple of businesses, but uh, as uh, benefits, but I think um, the cons of staying informal outweigh the benefits. The only benefits that we'll say uh, uh, accrue to informal, staying in the informal sector is the flexibility of time for women. Now, women, as I mentioned earlier, are more engaged, they are the ones more engaged in unpaid uh, household work, including childcare, elder care, and also household chores in general. So one thing about small scale, micro level um, informal businesses is that uh, uh, they have this flexible time for them to combine it with the unpaid sector. So formalizing their businesses, expanding on it mean, means that they will lose that flexibility. And, and I don't think that uh, really outweigh the benefits of expanding the business and making more money. Because at the end of the day, if policies and strategies are adopted such that they could uh, expand their businesses and make more money, then it means that they could also um, employ other people to take up the other aspects or, or the, the unpaid uh, work that they have on hand. But in addition to that, in a, we could also, as, as a society, uh, encourage men to encourage men to uh, take up more of their or more share of the household work, so that uh, women could still have more time to spend on um, their businesses. And so, I wouldn't say there is much benefits to staying informal, but rather uh, uh, the the benefits of formalizing the activities, the economic activities, definitely over outweighs the, the, the benefits of staying informal. And I guess on the topic of informal and formal, I know a large part of the informal economy are women entrepreneurs um, and a lot of women-owned businesses. And I know a lot of the times that they're kind of stuck on this micro level rather than on a ma macro level. Um, I guess what obstacles are keeping them there and how can they, I guess, expand their businesses or um, kind of improve them on the macro level? Many, many, many um, um, factors keep them at the micro level. One of them includes um, the uh, one of them is the, the access to finance. That's one major one, and so lack of access to finance um, uh, uh, impedes their efforts to expand. Another another reason, another factor that uh, holds them back in terms of uh, expanding on their businesses is lack of education. So the um, education about how to um, organize business and expand beyond the micro level, much of these women do not have such, uh, such education. As generally, uh, women's educa education of women is 
um, currently is still low uh, in the Ghanaian uh, society. And so that's why one major factor that's also holding them back in terms of expanding on their businesses. Um, that's also, so in, in addition to formal education, also education uh, particularly or training on business uh, also is not there. Um, so uh, much of their skill is, uh, is about maintaining this micro level businesses. And so there's a need for uh, them to have a, um, training, training on maintaining businesses, bookkeeping and, and, and so on and so forth that, uh, that supports larger businesses. They do not have such skills. And so uh, efforts to uh, give them such skills would be very beneficial in helping them uh, beyond the micro and, and small scale level businesses. Yeah, and we've talked, so we just talked about those obstacles. And I guess, is the government working to confront um, these obstacles like access to finance and better age education for women, for example, and closing this gender gap? And if they are, how are they going about that? Well, uh, access to finance, one major um, uh, effort that has been made over the years is microfinance. Microfinance was one thing that was introduced that will help these women um, have access to finance. And so that effort has been ongoing for some time now. However, it also has its own challenges, including um, one, uh, the cost of finance, uh, getting access to finance from the microfinance is actually higher. And also, um, in, in, in the cultural context, uh, there's still that patriarchal norms where men still have control over uh, finance from women. And so sometimes these women may get this finance from the microfinance companies, and yet uh, the, the, the money actually ends up with the men. And so at the end of the day, they are not able to invest um, all of it in their businesses. And so that effort is there and still yet uh, um, has not been able to really overcome the um, finance uh, problem. Um, the government also has this uh, um, at the micro, uh, at the local government level has some has put in some efforts over the years for small scale businesses that is supposed to uh, uh, impact all small scale businesses including including own, those owned by women but there are still more um, challenges including cultural uh, norms in terms of education i mentioned earlier that there are efforts by governments over the years to increase uh, women, uh, female education in Ghana. And recent in recent years, uh, so among the younger generation, uh, we are seeing um, uh, reduction in the, in the gender gap in education. So I think uh, with time, as the younger generation grow older, that gap is, is closing up, uh, even though there's still a little bit, but it still is closing up. So government is making efforts in that direction. Uh, in terms of skills, uh, business skills, not much has really been done in that area. Some religious organizations take up uh, some of those by, for example, some uh, religious organizations will organize uh, seminars for the, the women in, the, in, in a particular church 
to give them skills, entrepreneurial skills, uh, um, to improve on their businesses. But still, uh, we haven't really seen that much um, improvement in that area. But hopefully, with the, with the educational gap being reduced over the years, we are hoping that that is going to improve along the line. Yeah, and I know you mentioned, I guess, local government initiatives. On the topic of, I guess, local level um, uh improvements, I guess. I know a lot of nonprofits and grassroots organizations have been working to kind of close this gender gap. Um, what methods and how have they um, kind of been, how have they done this and how are they different from what the government is doing? Well, with the non-governmental organizations, uh, you know, efforts from that side has been um, mostly erratic in the sense that uh, you know, their efforts are not so coordinated. So one small, uh, one local, uh, one uh, non-government NGO here and there would come up with uh, some programs and small pockets here and there, but we haven't really seen uh, a large-scale uh, effort from non-governmental organizations on, on that front in terms of uh, giving business training on large scale. There are a few efforts here and there. Uh, but it hasn't really achieved that much uh, in terms of giving business skills to women to improve on their businesses. Uh, on the government front, um, so we have this, uh, the Ghanaian uh, Society has this uh, organization called NBSSI, which is a, a local level uh, business uh, program, um, small scale business program that uh, supposed to help on that front. And they are located in at the local level, at the district assemblies, uh, and uh, it's supposed to be there so that when anyone in, uh, in the uh, small business, in any form of small business, uh, needs help, they could approach them and get it. And this is not necessarily for just women. But as to whether women know about this and they are able to assess this, this facility is another um, issue altogether. Over the years, uh, I don't think women have been able to approach them and gain because part of it is because of low levels of education uh, and uh, the scales as to which they are doing their businesses. The businesses are mainly petty trading and it's at uh, extremely low levels and so they do not even think there's the, the, the need to assess some of this facility to improve, improve upon their, their, their businesses. And so even though the efforts are there by the government, by NGOs, um, as to whether it's being assessed and being used by these women is, is another thing altogether. Right. And so it seems like there's a lot of room for improvement for Ghana's economy and much still needs to happen for it to make a full recovery, especially after COVID. And as discussed, working to increase women's participation and formalize their businesses might be key factors for a significant turnaround to occur. So what's at stake for Ghana and for the regional economy? Well, what is at stake for Ghana and for regional economy? Uh, I think I'll first of all look at some key challenges we are still facing, and then I also look at the uh, when we talk of women, um, oh, gender inequality, uh, and the factors that are still uh, 
keeping us keeping the the, the economy behind. Uh, it includes we have very high youth unemployment rate, and with that, uh, it looks like uh, it's quite difficult uh, for um, for us for the con- for the country to move forward when much of its um, labor force is still um, unemployed, uh, and unfortunately. Um, for those in the formal sector, um, majority of them are employed by the government, and the government is still having challenges with debt, uh, and so it is very difficult for them to be able to uh, still continue employing um, much of the people in the formal sector, and so there are still um, challenges that the economy as a whole um, is really, really grappling with. Um, there is problems with industrialization. Ghana as a nation has not seen that much in the industrialization. No, not, not much industries are being built to be able to employ a lot of these people. And so as, as a country, uh, even though there have been some improvements over the years, we are still grappling with uh, so much uh, as a nation in terms of uh, growth and development. Within the sub-region, one thing that comes up with uh, the, within Africa, Af- sub-Saharan Africa, and of, of course within the West African region, is the problem with uh, not the, the countries not uh, not able to trade among themselves. So intra-regional trade is a big issue when it comes to the sub-region. Uh, some of the reasons uh, in, uh, why that is the case include. Uh, barriers that includes um, inability, so, so uh, uh, inability for people to go um, to engage in trade across the borders because at the borders there are so many barriers to uh, free movement and of goods and also of persons among these uh, nations, and unfortunately, um, this land trade or trade across these borders, land borders. It's usually done by women. And so with the barriers that, that we have within the region uh, in terms of moving from one country to the other, uh, being uh, very cumbersome, it's also restricting business for women in general. And so within the sub-region, uh, there has still a whole lot to be done. I know um, many uh, economists uh, have come up with reasons why or ways uh, that we could uh, increase trade flow within the sub-region or within the sub-region or within uh, sub-Saharan Africa uh, in general. That includes having a common currency and all of that. Uh, It also goes beyond that as well in terms of transportation. There's a need for the cost of transportation within the sub-region to to be reduced. Yeah, to be reduced. Uh, Also to remove... uh, barriers in terms of uh, when at the border, what what is needed for people to cross one border to the other so that they can have, uh, they can engage, they can have, uh, they, they can be able to tra- transport their goods across the borders. So all of that is also um, one of the things that we, we should consider uh, not only for the country, or, but also for the sub-region. There, there's a need to improve on our intra-regional trade, and that includes a whole lot of women. And so that is uh, one thing we could also look at to 
uh, improve not only uh, development within the region, but also uh, for women, uh, well-being of women in general. Now, when I look at some of the key things that is also affecting um, women or gender inequality within um, Ghana as, as a country, there are a couple of things. One, there is this negative influence from patriarchal norms. So in terms of socialization, girls are taught to look up to men and boys as stronger, wiser, and more responsible, whilst boys are socialized to lead and control women. Now, that uh, is holding back women in terms of making um, an impact on the economy because when they are trained to, 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 to stay back, it means that it's going to hold them back from um, making uh, contributing to economic activity as, as much as possible. Also, uh, women, uh, as I mentioned earlier, are disproportionately uh, proportionately, uh, engaged in household work, which is making them time poor. And so that is also um, contributing to the gender inequality within the country. There is also uh, access to uh, wealth. One thing that we, there was a time ago, we carried out a survey uh, that looked at gender gap in asset ownership. And particularly in the rural areas, uh, a woman is, is not allowed to own an asset, a landed asset. So land, which is a key assets within the African region or sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, women are not allowed in some parts of the country to own assets in their name. Sometimes when they have assets, they have to register it in the name of their sons uh, or it has to be in the name of their husbands. And so at the end of the day, it, it, it stops them, uh, it, it puts a barrier on access to um, many things, including finance. So that is holding women back and also contributing to the gender inequality. Another thing that, uh, key thing that I want to highlight in the case of Ghana is uh, a phenomenon called uh, witch, witch, witch's camp. Now, in the Ghanaian society, it is believed that elderly women are witches. And so because of that, in some parts of the country, uh, some loved ones will take them away from society and come them somewhere because of the fear of being uh, lynched. And so I think it's one key thing that has been part of the Ghanaian society that needs to be uh, really, really uh, rooted out. Even though governments have been discouraging it, there hasn't been any efforts, concrete efforts to stop this practice. And so I think uh, unlike men, for, for, for men, when men grow older, no one calls them witches and therefore uh, create a, 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 an uncomfortable situation for them to participate in society. But for women, they are considered, the moment they are growing older and issues of, let's say, some illnesses that include dementia and co, uh, uh, affect some women. Uh, over uh, all of a sudden, society people around them begin to call them witches, and they are taken to witch uh, witch camps, and they spend their lives uh, uh, in such camps, uh, miserable. And I think it's one thing that uh, Ghana as a society we should uh, work on rooting out of uh, our society. And also, girls, I think I've already mentioned the case of unpaid work. So unpaid work it is not only on 
on women, but it starts from girls. And so I believe that as a society, that is also holding us back and creating gender inequality within the Ghanaian society. And so policy uh, and also um, campaigns to be able to change the social norms uh, needs to be carried out by the government. These are some of the things that I want to uh, mention in that uh, regard. Well, we are recording on International Women's Day today, so let's hope we see improvements for Ghanaian women and for women everywhere. So thanks so much for joining us, Professor. You're welcome, and thanks for having me. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Hopkins Podcast on Foreign Affairs. We hope you enjoyed it. We would like to say thank you to the International Studies Program at Johns Hopkins University and the SNF Agora Institute at Johns Hopkins University for making this episode possible. Remember to follow us on social media at Hopkins POFA on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for the latest and greatest of Hopkins POFA content. Hit follow on Spotify, subscribe on iTunes, and leave a rating. We'll see you next time.